everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. On today's episode, we're going to talk about what happens when mental illness is ignored, when spiritual warfare is exaggerated, and when baby dolls get possessed. When I was growing up in my little cultic organization, things were either spiritual or they were physical. There was really no middle ground there. So when you had things like mental illness and stuff like that, it was just, there was not really a place to categorize it because there was either a physical problem or there was a spiritual one. And for the most part, everything was spiritual. There were all these anecdotal stories that got shared about things that were possessed. So tons of just crazy spiritual warfare stories. Things like toys got possessed. I mean, keyboards were possessed, especially keyboards for a while there because synthesizers could play rock music and rock music was of the devil and it would call demons. And so all kinds of crazy stories about like hands that reached out of synthesizers and, you know, pulled off clothes. And I don't know, just just weird things like that. Bed clothes, not real clothes, like covers, pulled off the covers and uh, just bizarre stuff like that. So we were always hearing stories about toys or items in homes that were possessed. And for a while there, everybody had to get rid of like their Cabbage Patch dolls and Care Bears, My Little Ponies, anything that had some kind of a cartoon where that thing came alive. Barney was really suspicious because he started out as a toy and then he became alive. So that was a super kind of suspicious, scary thing. Most people wouldn't allow Barney to be in their house. So just crazy stuff like that. And I know that sounds pretty insane. But that was kind of where I lived. But that was what was going on. There was this just, it was physical or it was spiritual. And we were super suspect of a lot of things. I remember that we had these weird little flutes that my grandparents got us when they were traveling. I think they must have gotten them on either in Africa or it was on one of the tropical islands. But they were these little flutes and they looked like animals of some sort. And we, we smashed them because we were pretty sure that demons had gotten into our house or something like that. I mean, it was just that kind of stuff all the time. It was so fear-based. And everything in our teachings was very fear-based anyway. But when you got to this whole spiritual stuff and the spiritual realm and spiritual warfare, it was like incredibly fear-based. And I think part of it is because scared people are easier to control. I want you to think about that. Is there something that you're doing in your life out of fear? And it can be all kinds of choices that we make out of fear. But it just is something where you got to just think about it because fear is something that controls us, and people that want control know that. And so I just am really, I'm just leery about anything that I do out of fear. I just it makes me just stop and think because of so much of my life I lived in this just fear-based environment. And so now I just am like, hmm, am I doing this because I'm afraid of something? And if I'm afraid of something, is it really true or is it not? And so it's just something that I watch out for. It's so interesting. I think it's partly because fearful people look for formulas. We want answers, we want solutions. And so once again, if you try to control people through fear and formulas, it's great. You can just give them this formula and then they follow you and now you have power. And there's a lot of stuff like that in religion across the board, in cults across the board. And you want to find any kind of a cult and talk about fear-based control? Oh yeah, it's going to be there. Absolutely. Maybe that's something that resonates with you. I don't know. So I want to talk about this whole idea of like spiritual warfare. I'm not I'm not against spiritual warfare. I think spiritual warfare is real. I think there's a spiritual realm. Absolutely. I believe in angels and demons. They're in the Bible. Uh, I just don't think they operate like we think they do sometimes. 
people are really quick to make up these anecdotal stories of like, you know, demons possessing things and stuff like that. And I just think the Bible is pretty clear that Satan is really good at pretending to be an angel of light and making things look really great. And I'm sure in some countries and in some cultures where there's more demonic stuff that's acceptable, I could see it looking like that. But in our culture, in our country, I think it's just a lot of lies. It's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of stuff like that. So it's not so much this whole like toys are going to get possessed stuff as it is just distractions, lies, busyness. Satan has plenty of other ways to get us going. And yeah, fear. Fear is from Satan. It's from the enemy. It's not from God. There's all kinds of verses in the Bible that talk about fear not being from God. And I think it's really funny that we sort of missed them as we were going about our business and our cult. I want to read a couple of them to you. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. First John 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. I just find it so fascinating. It's all these verses talking about how fear is a bad thing, and yet growing up, that was what was used to control us as kind of a good thing. And there's a good fear, don't get me wrong. But yeah, so while I'm in this craziness of all of this demonic stuff that everybody's afraid of all the time, I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story, a true embarrassing story. For a while there, I thought I had a gift of discernment. And I was pretty sure that I could tell which baby dolls were possessed or not. And so literally people would bring me dolls at church and I would look into their eyes and tell them if they were possessed or not. Like for real, that's how crazy it was. But I want to transition this and talk about mental illness because mental illness is one of those things that were completely ignored or what people were afraid of, or it was like this big spiritual thing where you just didn't pray enough or read enough scripture or whatever. It was all your fault if you were depressed or if you had anxiety or stuff like that. And we didn't really talk about it. We didn't use those words, but I see that all across the church. And so that's kind of where I want to just sit in this episode. Because I am somebody who's always struggled with anxiety. And as a child, I was called a worry wart. I was told just to stop worrying, stop thinking about it. And then as I was reading through my journals this past Christmas in preparation for season two, I noticed a lot of references to what I called spiritual warfare. Like I would feel spiritual warfare and I would be talking about how I felt it and I had to pray about it and then it finally went away. And as I'm thinking back to these instances of where I felt spiritual warfare, they really reminded me a lot of the physical symptoms that I felt when I started having panic attacks in college. And you think back, and it was almost the same thing. There was this tightening of my chest. There was a pounding of my heart, often like an a upset stomach or just a um, nervous stomach. There was dizziness. There was you know shortness of breath, all this kind of stuff. And I would call it spiritual warfare because I just didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to call it. I had no reference for it because we never talked about any kind of mental illness. And I had friends who had undiagnosed depression and they struggled with that because if you were depressed, it was because you weren't praying enough or you didn't have enough faith. You just needed to memorize more scripture and believe more truth kind of a thing. And the really ironic thing was people that, you know, looking back were very likely narcissists, even sociopaths, borderline personality disorder. A lot of parents that actually got involved in this cultic organization probably would fit one of those categories because it they loved it. It caused them to have all this power and control, all this authority that was given to them. And so you have somebody who's narcissistic and you get to have all this power and authority. Fantastic. 
perfect for sociopaths, perfect people with borderline personality disorder. And so once again, completely undiagnosed, just totally, it was just gone. It was just nobody even dealt with it. You just had to deal with the effects of having this kind of a parent. Now, fortunately, I never had that kind of situation going on in my life. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to get through the cultic organization as well as I did, because I just had parents who were honestly very healthy in the midst of the crazy. So if you were struggling in some way, usually it would be a depression or anxiety kind of thing. One of the things they would talk about was you need to cleanse your house. There was something in your house that was giving place to the devil. And it wasn't like there was ever any credence or authority given to the idea that there might actually be mental illness, that your brain might be sick. There might be things going on in your brain for real. No, it was always either spiritual or physical. And so you had to cleanse your house. And I mean, people had their toys thrown away. People burnt their like CDs if they had any kind of rock music. Because once again, drums were calling the devil and his demons. And so there would be these cleansings that would take place. You would kind of look through all your stuff with a fine-tooth comb. Maybe there was books that got burnt because there was, who knows, a reference to whatever. Just stuff like this. And it was just this constant fear looking for a spiritual explanation to things that, well, not, I mean, there are physical. We just can't see them. Mental illness is a physical thing. It's just something you can't see with your eyes. You can't necessarily say that's where it is right there. That's it. And so I just, I think of this a lot because just so the way I dealt with my own anxiety, but also, like I said, people that I know who have struggled with depression, who have struggled with other kinds of things. And I wish, oh guys, I wish it was just in our crazy cult organization, but it's not. And if you're listening to this right now, you've probably either felt this yourself or you know somebody who struggled with it in the church. Because so often mental illness is not something that's acceptable, even within our modern churches. Granted, probably more conservative ones, but still, it's just not okay. It's just not okay. And it's something that I just feel really passionately about, really strongly about. I just really want people to understand that if you have something going on in your mind, you're like, my mind is not working right. Something is off. It is okay to get help. Oh my gosh, it is okay to get help. Please go get help. Therapy is a wonderful thing. Medication is a wonderful thing. And all this stuff, it's okay to need stuff. It's okay to need help. We live in a broken world. And one of the things that gets broken is our brains. So when I was in college, that was when my panic attacks really started hitting me. Some stuff had happened. I think I was upset about something. I can't remember. There's a bunch of stress going on in my life. It was just, I had a new boyfriend. I had classes I was taking. I was feeling angry and upset with some people in my life. And I was really frustrated with myself because I couldn't get over the anger. And so there was just a lot going on. And I started having these episodes and I didn't know what to call them. I didn't have any frame of reference for a panic attack or anxiety. I thought I was dying, honestly. But because I'm the kind of person who doesn't want to admit that I ever have a problem, I was just suffering alone. I'm like, well, someday I'll just kill over and die in Walmart and somebody will figure it out, I guess. I didn't want to tell anybody there's something wrong with me. I felt guilty about that. I felt shame that I couldn't figure it out myself. And so I specifically remember happening in stores. Like I would just be like pushing a cart to the store and suddenly I would be almost passing out. Like I couldn't catch my breath and I was, my heart was just beating. It would skip beats. and the more I worried about it and thought about it, the worse it would get because obviously it's linked to my anxiety. So the more anxious I was, the worse it was getting. And I would just have these times where I'm like, man, I don't even know if I can get out the door to the car. And eventually I started doing some research and I figured out that it was panic attacks. But there was a point in time when I was having um, ocular migraines, which are when you get this vision disturbance in your in your eyes and then it will go into a migraine. 
But I even thought the vision disturbance was spiritual warfare. Like I look at my journals and I was like, I'm insane. Like, what was I thinking? But that's just where my mind was. I didn't realize there was this other element that was just so much spiritual in my head. And so obviously those weren't spiritual warfare. Those were ocular migraines. And I discovered that if I took calcium and magnesium, I did not get ocular migraines. The wonderful thing. But I just want to talk for a minute about this truth about mental illness, because I just can't hammer this home enough. I just want people to understand that there doesn't need to be shame or guilt or fear involved in having something that's broken in your brain. I just, I really want you to hear that because I don't feel like the church has done a good job at saying that. And there are wonderful, wonderful medications and strategies and resources out there. And I do want to talk a little bit about my own anxiety because I have found just wonderful resources. One of the things that always freaked me out was health, sickness. And so once I was married and I had kids, like I would just get so panicked if I thought my kids were sick or were going to get sick or whatever. Like I would just get so freaked out. And if my husband was sick, I'd be so freaked out. And I finally got this figured out. I did some research. I figured out this is anxiety. Like what is here that I can do? And thank goodness for the internet. Like there's so many resources available at our fingertips. And so just learning some strategies, just learning some grounding strategies is really helpful. And just recently, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a therapist, and she said that anxiety requires three things. We need to care about something. We need to feel as though we have no control and or that we have no resources. And if we can get rid of one of those things, our anxiety will lessen. So if you don't care about something, you're not going to be as anxious. But if you care and you feel like you have no control and no resources, you're going to have anxiety. However, if we can give ourselves some resources or feel like we have a little bit of control, that will lessen that anxiety. And so for me, having these strategies has just been huge. And one of the strategies that I really appreciate is called grounding. And because anxiety is all in our head, this is one of the reasons that like people tell you, oh, just pray about it or just quote this verse. Like that doesn't work because verses and prayer is still in our head. And I'm not trying to say that God isn't big enough and strong enough to help us because he absolutely is. But when you're already in an anxious state and you're already so hyped up and you're so emotional, it's not going to help. You need something concrete. And so that's why I love grounding. And grounding is one of those things where it just brings you back to that moment here on earth. And so for me, I usually use my senses. So I'll say, what are some things that I can see right now? And I just list the things that right now I can see. What are some things that I can hear? And I listen to, the th- listen to things that I can hear. What can I feel? And just even just feeling like two or three different textures, so something smooth, something bumpy, something you know, rough, just different textures just really helps to bring me back to the moment in time that I'm actually in. And if you have things that you can taste or things that you can smell, that's great too. But those are just huge to me. It's also really helpful for me to just recognize like, oh, I think I'm feeling anxiety right now. And to realize that the physical symptoms that I'm feeling doesn't mean that I'm actually sick. I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. And so like, be like, nope, this is anxiety right now. That's what's going on. Just take a couple breaths, realize it's going to be okay. I'm fine. And that's been huge, huge and helpful. So of course, I have a daughter who has anxiety and she's nine now, but she's been struggling with this since she was, oh gosh, I don't know, four or five probably. And so right away, I wanted to give her some resources. And and she's she's really great at this. She does grounding. She has a worry rock, which is like this smooth rock we found. And so it's really helpful to just feel it when you're feeling anxious. And it just reminds you, nope, I'm right here. I'm just feeling this worry rock. Brings you right back down to this place on earth, right here, not just in your head and your worried feelings. She has different breathing exercises that she does. She's got um, some different things where she like relaxes parts of her body. And I love being able to tell her, 
Like, yep, I see that you're worried right now, honey. Like, have you tried your strategies? And she's like, oh yeah, let's do that. And so she, and she goes and does that and she feels that power and that control and she's able to like calm herself. And it's been really fun to just see that the episodes of anxiety, even just as a little kid, are, are less. They're less. She's able to take her strategies and use them when she starts to feel that. And I just love that. Honestly, I wish I'd had something like that when I was younger, but I love that I even found it as an adult now. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at right now, if you're listening to this and you struggle with mental illness, or you struggle, I know somebody who struggles with mental illness, like there's no shame there. And it is okay to get the help that you need. And I wish I could go back and tell myself that when I was in my teens and my late 20s and just say, honey, this isn't spiritual warfare. You're not as amazing as you think you are. You don't have this gift of discernment, but you are anxious and you are worried. And here are some strategies that you could have that would help you to get over this. I want to say something really quick because I feel like I don't want to come across saying that I don't think prayer and the Bible are important because I do, but they're not important as a formula or as a fix for our issues. They're helpful in that they build a relationship with Jesus Christ. And our relationship with Jesus Christ is huge, but we're not going to be able to believe truth if we're up in this crazy, anxious place. So if we can have these strategies to bring us back down and then deal with the things that you're thinking about, is this really true? Is it not true? Kind of a thing. Like there's absolutely a place for all of it. And as we grow with our relationship with Jesus Christ, like he's going to be restoring us. Things are going to change. We're going to be able to see truth about ourselves, truth about the world, truth about him that will help us through our struggles that we have, whether it's depression, anxiety, etc. I'm going to say this one more time as I close, because I just want you to hear me again. There is no shame in mental illness. Do not feel guilt. Do not feel shame because you cannot get it figured out. It's okay if there's parts of you that are broken. Jesus is going to restore you one day. And until then, he's going to give you grace to get through this. There are strategies, there are medications, there's therapists, there's wonderful things out there that you can go ahead and use. You don't have to just try to figure this out yourself. You don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to only have to pray and read your Bible and stuff like that. It's okay to get help. I hope you hear me. It is okay to get help. And you are loved exactly where you are. This is basically wrapping up my middle year stories that I've been doing last little bit as we started a season two. And so next week, we're going to dive into a whole new topic that I haven't quite figured out yet. So it'll be a surprise. And until then, you guys, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.